Hello out there, and welcome to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com. I'm Caleb, and I'm joined by Alan and Pauline, and we're going to give you our thoughts on South Carolina's 23-10 loss against Mizzou on Saturday. Before we get started, though, I did just want to share this like real quick clip from the post-game uh, where Spencer Adler and Austin Stogner are talking, so we'll start there. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, we just got to get better at everything. Um, they, you know, credit to Missouri. They gave us, a, you know, you know, tough looks all night long um, with their blitzes, their pressures, the way they, you know, got after us. And, and um, it was tough to, you know, get the drop back pass game going. You know, we really didn't. I don't feel like we had a good idea of knowing what to do. Um, so I say that's what we need to get better at, just preparing and, and knowing what to do. Spencer, what was that front four, front seven doing that maybe surprised y'all, or was it kind of what? All right, uh, actually, I, it was muted on my end, so I don't know where I cut it off. But basically, um, it was a little interesting to hear Rattler say like we have to do everything better, and that they weren't, they didn't feel prepared, or or whatever the exact quote was there for the defense. Um, Obviously, I mean, we talked about this, me and Alan talked about this going into the game. Um, the last two weeks, you know, they got away with these fast starts um, by making some big plays on defense and special teams. And this week they didn't get those. And the offense had to kind of stand on its own leg. And against a above average defense, they fell. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it. Um, so, yeah, just each of you want to give kind of some initial thoughts on this one. Alan, you can go first. Yeah, what I pretty much wrote about um, in part of the pun is chickens coming home to roost here because you have a half, more than half a season, seven games worth of data that this offense isn't really explosive. This offense doesn't really push the ball down the field. They kind of need stuff from defense, special teams, Marshawn Lloyd, whatever else you need to make happen for this to work. And when you don't get those things – you scored 10 points against Missouri. Um, so I think it's just kind of a lot of things that were problems all year that you kind of can't hide anymore after this game. Yeah, I think the Lloyd point is a good one, right? So he was obviously hampered by in injury throughout. And the way that this offense has been successful in the games that it has been successful has pretty much run through him. Um, he looked pretty good even considering the in injury when he could. I mean, he averaged 4.3 a carry on seven attempts um but it was obvious that he couldn't carry the load for the whole game and oh deep bruise by the way we should say that beamer said he yeah. has a deep bruise on his quad he should be okay for vanderbilt according to shane but we'll hear from him again tomorrow which i don't know i was thinking about this yesterday it might not be the worst thing to have to prepare a game plan without him being the center of it um just as an exercise and this is your last opportunity <laughs> against the team <laughs> this is your last opportunity against a team that, you know, at least your favorite against um, to do that because they just seemed like they had no idea what, what to do once he was not, um, once they weren't able, able to run the offense completely through him. Uh, Pauline was down on the field for this one, taking pictures for us, which will be posted on GamecockScoop.com probably later today or tomorrow. Uh, any field level um, observations, Pauline? 
I mean, definitely going into it when I first, you know, checked in with Alan while he was in the press box, we both were saying that it was going to be like an ugly game. Not saying that it was going to be like either a blowout, but it definitely was going to be a fight for us. And it was clear that that was what happened on the field. But to your point, I think um, after seeing, I noted this in our halftime report, but I really appreciated originally how Spencer um, took control of like a high pressure situation where if Lloyd is out for Vanderbilt, we should have like an alternative game plan because they Basically, he was under pressure. Nobody was open, so he just decided to run it and ended up working. So oh, I think, out, yeah, yeah. So I think that um, was really cool. But then he decided, you know, that worked. So let's do it the rest <laughs> of the time. And obviously, they're going to catch on to that. Considering I literally saw it happen in front of my face. I think like I don't even know how many times I could count. I, I don't even know, but it was a lot for me to at least take note of it. <laughs> Yeah, um, so this one obviously didn't start too well. It was kind of a weird first half. South Carolina had four possessions offensively in the first half, and three or two of them were three and outs, and then the other was like a quick first down, and then three or maybe two first downs and then three and out. Um, so they had a total of eight plays on those first uh, three drives for like – I don't twenty something. There was a sixteen yarder to Stog, and I don't think they had another play that was more than like five yards. Yeah, so you get off to this rough start, and at the same time, Missouri's just marching down the field. Should have been down twenty one nothing. We're able to kind of slow down uh, one of the drives for just a field goal. So yeah, you're down seventeen to nothing going into your fourth drive, and then they do finally piece something together. A little four minute drive right before the half that gives you a little bit of a spark. Um, but so they had, they did sort of endure the initial wave and then have a little bit of a counter punch, but then they couldn't. I wanted to uh, ask Pauline about that specifically about the start. Um, cause I don't care what Shane Beamer says about energy, about practice, about how they were on guard for a letdown. I could see it. It was flat in there in Willie B for the whole first half. Um, you know me, I typically, I typically am all over the energy part of it. Was like, it flat I like on the field see- was more what I meant to get at. Yeah, no, it definitely was not the same. I mean, I definitely, I don't know what it was. It had to be something with the fact that we blew Texas a and or not blew them, but, you know, we suppressed it felt ourselves. Sleepy, that was the word I texted yeah. me of. It just felt sleepy. Definitely, because I think going into it, you know, you have to kind of rope back in your expectations. And I honestly had a kind of a gut feeling that this wasn't going to be a very, you know, energized crowd I, the student sections were fun but like they didn't stay the whole game they were leaving and trickling out and you know I never liked seeing that but I was on the field till the end and they were still like the players they honestly I think they were okay by the end of it when they were like hugging and saying like good game to Mizzou I think they were still a positive like vibe but I definitely think to Spencer's point in the press conference, there's things that they realize that they need to do better on. So that's something they probably were reflecting on. Yeah. So it was really a tale of two halves for the defense and then a pretty much a struggle throughout for the offense. The defense gave up 254 total yards in the first half, which was pretty incredible um, because I, there was a stat that popped up on the broadcast that I was watching that I think they were averaging uh 300 yards per game against them over this four game win streak. And they were already at 254 at halftime. 
Um, but they really did sort of settle in in the second half. I thought they made some nice adjustments at the halftime, which is something that Clayton White's done several times uh, since he's been here. So I thought that was pretty impressive. But it's uh, you're not going to win very many games only scoring 10 points on offense. It's just <laughs> no matter how good your defense is, that's a tough task to ask them. I mean, they even had a goal line stand um, out of a quick change situation when Spencer Rattler fumbled too. Um, so all in all, I think you you come away like, yeah, you can't give up 17 points on three straight drives to start the game on defense. That's definitely a slow start for them. But you you still come away encouraged that they they were able to settle and figure things out. It they, seemed like the motion that uh, Missouri was running on offense confused them a lot at first. Also, you had some uh, safety injury issues in the first half that kind of settled in. But sorry, go ahead, Alan. No, I just – I was going to say, like, the defense gave them a chance to win this. I don't want to say win, maybe, but the defense gave them a chance here. I mean, the you mentioned the goal line stand. There was another stop, two more stops deep in territory that forced field goals. Like, the defense – I don't know. If your offense had a pulse to this team, that could have at least been an interesting fourth quarter. I think um, off of that, just kind of – I thought it was interesting at the press conference this past week. They were talking about how they felt like, oh, they're coming to find their identity and stuff like that. but when Alan was saying in the beginning, you, you know, you can really see that the offense, it's still kind of the same vibe. It's still, they're still working on it. Just like in the beginning of the season, that was the whole thing. Like we got to get it better. And, you know, we've had these wins, but it's kind of covered guess, up the fact that. Like, I guess my point on that though, and I kind of sort of wrote this at the end of my, I think that was my last line of what I wrote. Like we're two thirds of the way through the season, the regular season you can't still be working on, I know the coaches yeah. always say it's a work in progress. we got to get better every week, blah, blah, blah. But like, I think it kind I of totally is what it is at this point. We're I eight totally games agree. in. Well, and I would say that they do have an offensive identity when Marshawn Lloyd's healthy. Right. Um, and let's give the ball to Marshawn Lloyd and let him be a Superman, which he still <laughs> made some pretty heroic plays the other night. Um, I, I, there's one run in particular, I think it was like four or five yards for a first down where he broke like four tackles yeah did it all by himself. Uh, I, I call it on the game thread, like the most impressive four yard run I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> but when, when you don't have, I mean, he obviously was beat up a good bit in this game. Uh, you know, we'll see how he recovers over the course of this week, but you know, it's possible that he's still going to be a little bit hampered by that deep uh, bruise against Vanderbilt. What is your second option? I mean, I guess it's Antoine Wells, uh, who had seven receptions, nine targets, but most of those were behind the line of scrimmage. Alan, I know you kind of just did a film breakdown and and looked at um, the targets because there's one egregious example on like third and 18 where you throw a bubble screen uh, that does not go very well, but really throughout the second half. And you understand to some degree why, because Spencer Rattler was getting pressured pretty much any time he took a, a deep drop back. So they were having to rely on some of these quicker throws, but uh, they did not push the ball down the field very much at all in this game. Nope. I'm stepping on Perry McCarty's territory a little bit here, but I was, you know, I was up in the box, of course. I'm watching all these screens. I'm like, this seems like a lot of stuff behind the line of scrimmage. So yesterday, of course, when I'm watching the game back, I decided to just count how many times they throw behind the line of scrimmage. It was 12 in the second half, 13 total. They There's a stretch in the second half of this game where they um, – excuse me, where eight out of 10 passes were caught behind the line of scrimmage. Um, that's while you're trailing, while you're trying to come back. You're not trying to kill the clock here. You're trying to push your way back into a football game and eight out of 10 passes are going behind the line of scrimmage. Um, 
it's just not going to work. I don't really know any other way to say it. You're, it's Missouri's defense is good in space. They're good at tackling. And frankly, so is Vanderbilt's. That's kind of a strength of theirs. We'll talk about that later in the week. But I don't think if you're talking about a plan B, I don't think throwing 12 screens is your plan B either, or it should be. So you're going to have to come up with something different. Yeah, uh, it was definitely definitely painful to watch. And again, you do sort of understand some of it in theory, right? Like the, the running game was not working with the other two backs. Um, the offensive line struggled. This, this was their worst performance since Georgia, for sure, um, against a pretty good Missouri front. But I don't know if they're quite as good as, as they showed the other night. Um, the offensive line really had no no answer. So anyway, basically they turned the screen game into a, a stand-in for the run game. Um, but it wasn't like it was consistently getting you what you wanted either. And speaking of downfield passes, I mean, you, you saw a couple go to Austin Stogner. One, he I made a incredible I was just going to say, um, I was going to honestly shout him out. Yes, yeah, that man well. was beaten and bruised on these pictures that I took, like by the end of the game, this man had scrapes all up the arm. He was really doing the most out there. Yeah. And I, I do think that, I do think that he's someone that continues to need to be uh, involved. Um, And, and they did talk post game that Rattler said he looked for that um, sort of seam past him again, a couple more times in the game and it wasn't there, Definitely. but my, my question and a lot of people I saw on Twitter's question is where's Jaheim Bell in this game? Zero targets for a, a guy that that's kind of, I mean, he's, he can run a four, 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 five and he's six, five. You would think that you can find okay. at least some here's my Here's my Jaheim Bell. Look, this is a very complicated topic. We could probably spend an hour just talking about the Jaheim Bell thing, but my same thoughts on the Jaheim Bell situation would be he – there is, again, Beamer can say whatever he wants about having a lot of different targets. Satterfield can say whatever he wants on Wednesday. We've got to spread the ball around, blah, blah, blah. He's not on the field. You can't give him a target if he's not on the field. Jaheim Bell, like you said, he's 6'5". He runs a 4'4". He's a difficult matchup. Even if you're not throwing him the ball – him being on the field forces the defense to change its calculus, to look at him, to shade a safety towards him, to whatever. You can't – whatever Jaheim Bell can possibly bring you, you that's fine saying you got to throw about other people. He's not even on the field. He, again, you talk about excuses or things where you have a leg to stand on and the leg falls. If he's not even in the game, the leg kind of falls there. I agree. Yeah. Um, and not to get too much into the, the Twitter space or the drama or whatever, but um, yeah, that's a, couple, uh, a couple of members of his family, including his mom, uh, voiced their displeasure on Twitter after the game. That would be one way to put it. It's it's hard to blame them. Like if I'm if I'm the parent of someone that's all off season was supposed to be one of the best tight ends in the country, and every post game you have your offensive coordinator or your head coach or whatever saying like, yeah, he's one of the best athletes on the field. We got to get him the ball. And it just continues to not happen. Uh, I, I can imagine that that's a frustrating place to be now. Well, the really, I don't, I don't know that it is that yeah. Satterfield said Wednesday, if it were up to me, I get the ball to Jaheim 20 times. Zero. Yeah. Goes and back like to your backup said, plans. Right. He should it shouldn't be even like a second thought at this point. Like if you're really concerned about this point, being able to have a plan B, he is a great, great yeah. option. 
Yeah. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about this in, in the week heading in because, like, yes, South Carolina scored 30 points against Texas A&M. That's a little bit uh, misleading because you have <laughs> that's one that's, that's return uh, for a touchdown and then you had an, another couple short fields. Um, same thing with Kentucky. You know, you have a couple of turnovers. That, that game. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so we saw what happens when you have to lead several piece together, several drives down the field. And we got 10 points. Um, and that's not good enough. And I, and I, I wrote in my rapid reaction on gamecockscoop.com, like I'm not the, it, it's not, I don't get paid enough to like call for someone's head or, or anything like that. <laughs> um, at this point, you're 21 games into the Beamer area or 21 games into offensive coordinator, Marcus Satterfield, uh, dialing up the plays. We we had plenty of built-in excuses last year with the the rotation of the four quarterbacks or whatever. But at this point, some of the trends that are emerging, I think, are safe to call trends. And um, it's going to be interesting how the rest of the rest, rest of the season plays out and whether or not some changes are beginning to be thought about. Well, being would have to, I, if we're here. Let's have the conversation for a little bit. This is probably a better off season topic, but whatever we're here. Um, what would have to happen over the last four games for you to actually think Marcus Satterfield should be back calling plays next season. You're pretty quiet over there. Caleb. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you, a complete 180. I don't know. You average, 400 yards a game and 30 points a game over the final stretch and but that'll happen some upset wins Florida, you know Tennessee yeah. and Clemson <laughs> but yeah, I, I I don't I I mean you look at our message boards right you look at Twitter yeah. you look at everywhere that anyone's talking Gamecock football right now and there is definitely a uh, giant target on that man's back right now and you know fair or not whatever he's he's paid very handsomely to be in the position that he's in so uh part of that is the criticism that comes along and he's got a big challenge ahead of him to change the narrative around him that's the most i mean the players honestly the players support him from what i've seen and heard. Like, yeah, they honestly i mean yeah but they also are like it actually is kind of ridiculous how much he's getting bashed right now like it almost reminds me of like a must champ like it does feel very must champ esque. That's actually a good. That's a good. And that's like, is that a is that another theme? Is that another trend for us? Just like I mean, I don't know if you call that a trend because I think that's more just the way college football fans work and maybe college football fans here. Um, yeah, trend the for only the, thing I'll, the Only thing I'll say for Satterfield is, and you kind of touched on this earlier, Caleb, is you've got Vanderbilt this week. That's the one team left on the schedule and probably on the schedule total in conference play. If you even looking back, that's worse than you talent-wise, worse than you statistically. I mean, we're going to get into this later in the week. Vanderbilt's lost 25 straight SEC games. Like, you can't go to Nashville and look like this again this weekend. You just can't. Knock on wood. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, you have to find a way to – I mean, you're not going to put up a – you're not going to look like Tennessee's offense. You're not going to go put up 600 yards, I don't think. But if it looks like this again and we're sitting here next Sunday or Monday or whenever we do a post game. And it looks like that. Um, I will not be on that then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, this and, is the one Satterfield needs. Like this is the, I'm not going to call it a perfect get right game. Cause I think Vanderbilt's defense can still pose some problems, but 
it's a much better get right opportunity than Florida, Tennessee, or Clemson will be. I mean, I think if they can get Florida, it will be another one under his belt that will like help him. That would help. But you got to get Vanderbilt first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, even if you have a good showing against Vanderbilt and then finish out the season with three chases in the marsh and the offense doesn't look particularly good during it, I I don't think it matters. Like the cacophony is going to be nice and loud regardless. Um, And yeah, it, it is kind of tragic you brought up will muschamp like this has been an ongoing problem since spurrier stopped walking the sidelines yeah. calling plays for for south carolina right like the offense struggles offense struggles mm-hmm. um muschamp went through four different offensive coordinators i mean the tragic thing is like his best one was probably his last one <laughs> and uh you know it would have been so bad by that point it didn't matter yeah right it would have been nice if uh, Beamer maybe was able to retain uh, Mike Bobo, which isn't a sentence I ever thought I would want to say. <laughs> um, but but uh, yeah, I mean, at least for a starting point, it, it's it's a frustrating place to be. So anyway, if you're a South Carolina fan and you are displeased with the offensive production, uh, I, I get it, and it, it and it doesn't help that like you said the previous regime had the same problem so it feels like you know this this if if the beamer era is going to go differently this has to be something that he nips in the bud i <laughs> again he's still going to publicly defend him he said last night on a teleconference that he's not making a change of play caller um that was a one word answer by the way he just said nope um and but also he was asked Saturday, it was the Gene Bell question, and it was also one just about changes in general. And he, I think I texted you this, Caleb. That's the first time I felt him kind of not outright defend Satterfield. He didn't criticize him, but he didn't outright defend him either, which I kind of, I mean, you're kind of reading between the lines at that point. Like, you could ask five different people what they thought of that quote and get six different answers because that's just the way it works. But I didn't feel a strong defense vibe there, at least. I don't know if you watched it, Caleb. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely Beamer is definitely frustrated as well, um, and you can feel oh, it. You can in see the it on the field. Yeah. I oh saw yeah, it on and the that field, too. Man. You, you got my background photo here, right? Like, yep. this is <laughs> yeah. This, this is from I earlier. I have a shot this, of him. <laughs> this Just... is from earlier in the season. This isn't from last night, but it, there was a lot of cutting to him on the broadcast, and his face looking very similar yeah. <laughs> to that. <laughs> um, and red. then, yeah. Like you said, he's in the post-game presser and in the teleconference yesterday, he's uh, not happy. Not and, happy. And, and and you know, I'm sure he's very ready to get back out there next week and try to shift the narrative around a little bit because, I mean, heading into this game, uh, things sounded great, right? You're, you're on a four-game winning streak. You've beat two teams that had a, a winning streak over you. Um, but and we talked about this throughout the week, like there was this underlying narrative of like, yeah, but the offense still looks a little shoddy. And so then to lose a game with the offense looking shoddy, it's probably a little Doesn't louder than it normally <laughs> would And that be, was yeah. my point. That was my, we talked about this on the, the Thursday show, Caleb, but like, you know, you're not going to score a touchdown in the first 15 seconds every week, right? You know, you're not going to get a special teams play every week, right? Like, I know Pete Lambert does a really good job on special teams. That's not going to happen every single week. Like, eventually, you're going to have to find another way to do this. Thank you. I love that you just said that because that's literally, like, 
they always are saying like we're constantly like changing the narrative or like you know exactly but if player if the fans expect that to be every single like game that's the first 15 seconds every single game that's not a practical outlook that also affects the players it affects the whole hounding on Satterfield like everything along those lines like it's in the same with Spencer thinking that's good and just continuing to run it not being good but we said this after Georgia State too Caleb like you know you're not going to block two punts and run them both back for touchdowns every week right like no, I mean, it, here's the here's the frustrating thing is even though there might be some talent deficiencies on South Carolina's defense, uh, they Clayton White and whatever their philosophy in throughout the first two seasons has shown a propensity to make some explosive plays, um, make some things That's happen. That's one of the things be opportunistic. He's about, and, That's one and of the same as special about. teams. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think. He basically, one of the things I remember him talking about early on in the season is how even Georgia State, like, they weren't on their toes enough. Like, he said that he was calling plays, like, during practice, like, a second, and you had to, like, switch it up, make sure that you were able to, you know, change up when you needed to. And I think he's done a really good job of, like, like, varying the plays and making sure that, like, they have the options that they do. Whether or not they have the deficiency, they can work good together. Which no, is this defense is, is good. And, like, you talk about a talent deficiency, but I don't know if you're just taking a star oh. rating or whatever. Nicky Minori was a zero-star safety. He didn't get recruited by anybody. He's incredible. Literally. He's probably the best player on that. I don't even want to say probably. Maybe Zach Pickens. But he's up there for the best player on this defense would be the point. Um, yeah, it, it was funny on Carolina Calls on Thursday. Um, Todd Ellis said something about, like, He's probably going to be a future all SEC all SEC safety, and Beamer is like, uh, like maybe this year, like he's playing yeah, incredible yeah. right now. Um, but and that that is true, yeah. I, there, there's. I'm not. I wasn't meaning to say there's not talent. It, more, my point was, I feel like throughout the Beamer era, so, so far we've seen games won on special teams, we've seen games won on defense. How many games can yeah. you honestly say the offense is the reason? That they won the game, maybe the bowl game against. I was going to say North, North Carolina, Carolina last year would be like the one, probably. Um, do you count Vanderbilt last year when Zeb came in and let a drive at the end? Like that's technically the offense, but also they only scored what was it, fourteen points before that? Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, that was a disgustingly uh, ugly game too, but maybe. I mean, you're <laughs> really. Str- I get your point though. The bowl game is probably the one and only, and maybe like Charlotte this year where Lloyd went insane, but that barely counts. Yeah, I mean, you scored 50 points against SC State and Charlotte, but... Uh, no, you're talking about, like, SEC games. It's or yeah. Power 5 opponents. It's probably just North Carolina last year is the one. Yeah, so this is obviously something that we'll continue to analyze and talk about. And, like, I, I was really trying hard to come up with things to talk about other than the offense in Satterfield, but that is the story of this game in, in a lot of ways. I mean, we did talk about how the defense got off to a slow start, but you at least by the end of the game felt like you had seen them make some adjustments. I never felt. I mean, they were really good about preventing that. um, I think in the third or fourth quarter or end of the the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was, I mean, there's moments like that where it's kind of like reassuring, but then, you know, it's like that false hope of like, ah, maybe we got it in the bag. It's amazing. I never, I'll be honest. I never thought South Carolina was in that football game or thought they had a chance to come back, but it was a one score game late in the third quarter. Like there was a 
a hot second there was a seven point game, but I never yeah, felt I was, like they were going to do anything with that. At least, at least like, I don't, I don't know. I just think that like summing it up, definitely the offense we saw their um, their uh, imperfections, but I think the defense like stepped up and like they were trying to, you know, prevent runs and like that last what I was about to say was the um, the touchdown. They were able to turn it over and prevent. I I don't know if they scored a Missouri missed the field goal in that one. Yeah, yeah. yep, yep, that's the one. But like that just shows me like all right, they're they're trying yeah, to step up. And they're still in the game. Too. Like Caleb said, that's sudden change after Rowler's fumble. They just got on the field quick and made three plays and yeah, got lucky with the field goal, but still. Oh, and and by the time Missouri was like running out the clock near the end of the game or whatever, they're just exhausted. You could tell. I mean, they had spent yeah. the whole game on the field, and they were getting uh, beat up. I definitely, yeah, yeah they were yeah. done. But you you can't blame them at that point. Like you said, kind of played their hearts out to keep them in it as long as they did, and finally they ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. But I mean, you you expect yeah, that. I mean, the one reason we're talking no about this is two score losses instead of a three-score loss or a four-score loss is the defense got three stops deep in its own territory in the second half and forced three field goal attempts, and Missouri missed one of them. This should have been a lot worse if we're getting completely honest. Yeah. Um, Pauline, just like a, a field-level question that I that I had. So we talked about the energy at the beginning of the game, feeling like it was, it was lacking a little bit. Um, what did you notice as frustrations started to boil over or whatever – it didn't seem like, at least on offense, that there was ever anyone other than the one drive that, that Rattler kind of stepped up and scored on his own, um, that anyone like stepped up as a leader there. I don't know if, the, if you could notice them sort of talking amongst themselves or trying to hype each other up or anything. Um, I'd honestly have to go back into the pictures. But one of the things that I was actually going to touch on real quick was the fact that I think after one of the first like calls, I think it was um, someone was, it was uh, someone got uh, tackled. Oh, is this whatever. the Darius rush pass interference? Yes, yes, yes. And okay. he was livid. The players were livid. Like, I feel like there was a lot of calls where it was kind of touchy, where they actually were like, angry they didn't like it like I think as a like I was saying before the identity whole thing of it I think they were all pissed that like they they felt like they were doing the most that they could I think so I don't think there was ever really one person besides I would say like special teams was really good in defense I would say but yeah. besides but that's its own kind of problem though if you don't have an offensive leader after eight games when things are going and badly he's like to be. that's, that's he's its own issue to be. isn't it, it yeah he's that, supposed that's to kind be. of what they I were yelling wondering. to put Doty in they were yelling to put Doty I did in, we did get some new Doty comments on the message board and on yep. my Twitter I got a few yeah no the fa- the fans were so I was shaking my head at them. I was shaking my head at them. They were being not nice at all. I don't know what that accomplishes. We can we can hit on that too. I know you have another point, Caleb, but like I don't know what that really accomplishes at this stage. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. They call him still the same. If if it's just Luke Doty throwing bubble screens instead of Spencer throwing bubble screens, I don't think that really changes anything. Protect Spencer no. a little bit more from the hate, I guess. Whatever. But I, I I guess it gives you a little bit of a different dynamic because I think Dodie's a little bit of a better runner than than Rattler, which you know, maybe in a game like Saturday when he's running for his life the whole game, that could be useful. <laughs> but uh also you're not gonna get 
some of those throws that that Rattler can make. Yeah, I mean, Doty is a talented. But he wasn't even making those. I feel like he missed. There was one really bad wide open miss. I think it was in the third quarter. I think it was. You can correct me if I'm wrong. It was Wells, I think, who was like wide open, or maybe it was Fan. No, it was Wells. It It was Wells. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that too. Um, You had a leadership point, Caleb. Yeah. So, uh, well, I also was just going to say there was, I thought that that pass interference call where Darius Rush got the interception was egregious. Um, and that, that kind of a moment of lifting moment in the game and, and all that. But uh, then it kind of went both ways. Like South Carolina, the only reason that they scored a touchdown on that last drive before the half was there's an offensive pass or a defensive pass interference and a holding penalty. And the holding penalty in, in particular, I mean, the, the ball was way over Stogner's head. Um, that felt like a little bit of a makeup call there, but anyway, That's what I um, <laughs> you know, then they, they scored a touchdown. So they traded they points very, there. very did not lose. As soon as the call Absolutely. happened, I was like, they're, they're going to make it up somehow because like Shane stomped up to this man. It was very funny to see it all go out. But, but if you're ranking reason South Carolina lost, the refs are probably not even in the top 10, oh, no, like no. not even close. So like it's, it's almost mm-hmm. not even worth talking about. There was a couple memes though after of the refs calls. I did see some of those cool. out there, but that's not our problem. Four ten points, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I guess the obvious place to go here, because we've just spent most of the last thirty minutes speaking pretty negatively and particularly about the offense and maybe the offensive play calling and and all that. And that, I guess that is probably the most frustrating thing is it does feel like there's more talent on this offense than they're showing at the moment, but. Um, do you have any positives to take away from this? Like, are, are there are any signs of hope for the future? Like what, how are we feeling right now? Because probably if you look at this three game stretch of Kentucky, Texas A&M, Missouri heading into it, you're like, Oh, if we can get two or three of those, that's pretty great. Um, but because you get the first two and lose to probably the worst team of those three, uh, it feels a little bit different, especially at home on homecoming. You're the first time you're ranked in the Shane Beamer era. It just felt like a a, a missed opportunity for sure. So where you, where your where's your head out right Do now? Do I right have now? to say positive things about the offense, or can it just be positive in general? <laughs> positive in general, just maybe just about the trajectory of the program uh, or the team. <laughs> Nicky Mewari is really good. I think that's another probably sign that the more Shane Beamer's players cycle in the theory, cycle into here and must chance players cycle out. Things might look better. I mean, that's probably better for you to talk about Caleb. You talked about all the recruiting stuff, but there's that. Um, again, D line played well, special teams fine. I really don't have a single offensive positive other than they could play Vanderbilt this week. Antoine Wells was a good person to go after in the transfer portal. <laughs> he's Yeah, but he's an explosive receiver and he can't do explosive things. He's catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage, or at least it's a lot harder to. It's also yeah. harder when you're not getting the ball. That's well, the best. Yeah. Thing, I, I think the most fresh and it's we're going to be positive positive here. What's going on? I, I know, but I do have one more thing is like the where are the like quick crossing patterns like okay fine you can't take a five-step drop in this game because every time you do rather has got someone in his face great where you're just like quick like hot passes over the middle because because they were sending linebackers on almost every play we talked about this going into game that missouri likes to blitz um 
that means there should be openings in the middle part of the field and they didn't attack the middle hardly at all all night um uh, anyway it's frustrating uh pauline any positives right, Pauline, positive? yeah. <laughs> eager to get positives all right i'm trying to i'm trying to rope us back in you know we're not the we're not the glass half empty type of people um i'd say a positive um is i think the resilience is honestly like i mean out of the just seeing it and like you know being on the field not just like looking at like a tv screen and like yelling at them like seeing like i mentioned earlier like austin literally had blood all over his freaking like his pants his arms were scraped up he was getting like decked all this type of stuff like but he was still being put in every single time like he as much as he like was getting beat up, he didn't want same with the defense. They were trying to step up and they were trying to do as much as they could. They were trying to do the most. I saw them out there. I mean, they were frustrated. The people yelling at them didn't help, but I think that the fact that they're still putting their head down and going through it, even though they did lose, like I saw them, like I said, hugging the other team. I have a fun picture of Spencer, like, you know, being friendly with somebody. I've got one positive off that, Ben. You you inspired me. Um, it's coach speak, and I try not to let coach speak dictate how I talk about the team. But Beamer said they had a really good practice last night. He was actually late to the teleconference. He was about five minutes late. He said he, they just, he didn't want to cut practice short to like get on the phone because they were feeling good and guys were in a decent mood. And so I don't know if that's for real. I don't know if Shane well, Beamer said- just forgot to call us for five minutes. I don't – I try – again, I try they not to – They did say put- during – Go ahead. Oh, they're just saying during the uh, press conference this past week when, to your point, oh, yeah, they are a top 20. They were a top 25 team. And a lot of them, when they were asked, like, their response was, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, we're not supposed to be focusing on that. And I don't know if that would have helped them or hurt them. But a lot of them were saying, like, it doesn't matter. Like, we are still improving every day, like, as they say. But, like. Yeah, I do Beamer's wonder if there's practice. Yeah, you know, he just he he seemed to think they had a good positive practice yesterday, at least according to what he told us. So if you want a positive, I don't know if the twenty five would have been an incentive though. You know what I'm Missouri, saying? Like Missouri's gone. It's Vanderbilt week. You can't do anything about Missouri now, and you gotta go take the field Saturday night in Nashville and uh, see how I'll that goes. Be there. You yeah, going? So yeah, but as a fan, so nice. I'll be there. Um. Yeah, and Alan will be there, and great. Uh, so, you want to fly to Nashville, Caleb? You want to do a Friday night in Nashville? I, man, I do. Hey. I just can't, but I do <laughs> really want to. Uh, if they go back there for the Music City Bowl or something, maybe. Um, if it's still That'd called that, I don't even know. But anyway, um, both of you brought up the resilience. I will say one thing if we're talking about uh, identity of this program at the moment in the Shane Beamer era, identity of this team, whatever. Other than maybe the Georgia game over 21 games, I have not seen this team quit on pretty much any game, uh, regardless. Yeah, you're right, Paul. They they were down 21-3 at Arkansas, and they fought back in that one and kind of sort of had a chance to win it in the fourth quarter. Yeah, down 17-0 here, like you said, brought it within seven in the fourth quarter before – you know the, the wheels fell off and you know you you follow up that uh getting down by seven with a three and out and you know what do you expect or whatever but um so positive on the resiliency point for sure but 
if you're a South Carolina fan, you know, I, I, I guess uh, a positive takeaway is I don't think that this is the height of the Shane Beamer era just yet. Hopefully, hopefully the height isn't one rank 25th for one week. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's Halloween or is Halloween weekend. Today's Halloween. Scary. It was a go, scary game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, go uh, eat some candy. Have, you have know, eat your feels. Beer, you know, whatever. Um, and yeah, then we'll turn our attention to Vanderbilt. We'll have plenty of coverage on GameCocksGroup.com all week. Uh, we'll still wrap up this game a little bit more. I know that Alice stat features coming out later today. We'll have some film breakdown from uh, Coach Perry McCarty throughout the He's going to have a great days. time watching that back. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll have Pauline's pictures uploaded uh, today or tomorrow as well. And then we'll start to turn our attention towards Vanderbilt, who you said is on a 25 game SEC, SEC losing streak. Yeah. Losing streak. So, so um, stay positive. Know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. An opportunity to turn things around. Um, and overall, you know, get bowl eligible, which is always. Uh, important goal right here at the beginning of in. yeah that's honestly I don't want to that's the only other takeaway <laughs> over under 0.5 targets for Jaheim Bell on Saturday <laughs> dude it definitely at this point hopefully can become a, a squeaky wheel situation <sighs> yeah I don't know like Not a broken if you're Jaheim Bell do are you thinking about like Transferring next year, I don't his, like his it's, mom didn't say it, but kind of hinted at it on Twitter. Yeah, and well, and you, you can't know, lose a, a player like again. If does, does that somewhat depend on if your offensive coordinator is back or not, or you know, like are there going to be some other possible departures? All right, I think we're done here. We can them. get back Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, GamecockScoop.com. For all the latest, oh, I've got news basketball coming this week. Two exhibitions. Carolina. I've got some Russell boards coming on those. Right, Mars Hill on Friday. Men's playing Mars Hill Wednesday. Women are playing Benedict College tonight. Cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, if those of you frustrated with South Carolina football, let's turn. Yeah, it's basketball season. Almost basketball. <laughs> um, you're gonna get to see a for or a future NBA star throughout the season. I don't know how many wins that's gonna translate to, coach. but it should be and fun. Yeah, coach. women's best. Yeah, you're fine, y'all. We got it. Basketball right around the corner. All right. Well, until Thursday when we preview Vanderbilt, this has been the GamecockScoop.com podcast with Caleb, Allen, and Pauline. See you guys later. Bye.